Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, Heather Stemp, author of Under Amelia's Wing. If your family genealogy was a tapestry and you tugged at a thread, I'll bet you could trace it to an ancestor who had a personal connection with a historical figure. You could, at the very least, drop that in conversation someday. But Heather Stemp went further. When she learned her Aunt Ginny of Harbor Grace, Newfoundland, had an unlikely connection with the world-famous aviator Amelia Earhart back in the 1930s, she wrote a book, and then another, and a third is underway. They're all part of the Ginny Ross series, and I've contacted Heather to talk about book two, Under Amelia's Wing. Welcome to Book Me. Thanks, Costas. Pleasure to be with you this morning. Now, you're weaving a a fictional tapestry with these books, but uh, let's start with the real Ginny Ross, your aunt, and Amelia Earhart. Tell us about the real thread that connects them. Well, Costas, Ginny was a young lady in 1932. Harbor Grace, Newfoundland, who just didn't fit in. She didn't sing. She didn't dance. She didn't like cooking. She didn't like gossiping with her girlfriends. And she certainly had no interest in boys. Her only interest was spending time with Uncle Harry Archibald, who was the airstrip supervisor. Between Uncle Harry and another uncle of hers, Uncle Herm, president of the Airstrip Association, She enjoyed fixing motors and engines, working on her Aunt Rose's car. So she was a a young lady out of her time, even in 1932. She didn't think about being a pilot until her cousin, Pat Cron, showed her a scrapbook about Amelia Earhart. And then she realized that her love of planes and engines could extend to actually flying. So that was the the Ginny Ross of 1932. Of course, I knew her as a child. My grandparents and Ginny lived with us until I was seven. So these are the stories I know of Ginny as she was growing up. And these were almost like family jokes. The fact that Ginny didn't do the things that other girls did. But what about Amelia Earhart's connection with Harbor Grace? Well, that came initially through the scrapbook. And then Amelia was in Harbor Grace in 1932 for her first solo transatlantic flight. As a matter of fact, uh, Costas, I started with a family history after I retired. And it took about four or five years before the Amelia connection appeared. And it was quite by accident someone mentioned that um, Ginny had met Amelia at Aunt Rose's hotel when Amelia was there for her solo transatlantic flight. And so that's when the two stories came together. And I thought, well, maybe this is more than a family history. Maybe this is a story that other uh, young people might like to read. And so I intertwined Ginny's history, if you like, with what I found out about Amelia's and her brief time in Harbor Grace. You had at least one big decision to make when you started the first book in the series. 
how far would you stretch the historical connection between Ginny and Amelia as you created fiction? That's a very interesting question. Where Amelia's history was concerned, in my mind, it had to be absolutely, exactly correct. (laughs) Because a lot of people know about Amelia. Where Ginny was concerned, her history is almost completely correct. Where their history intertwines, then I saw the leeway for uh, more fiction. We know they met, but we don't know exactly who was there, etc. Where I'm dealing with a historical person like Amelia Earhart, I believe the details have to be correct. Where a historical figure interacts with another figure, and we perhaps don't know exactly what happened, then I think there's, there's leeway to be much more creative. And I guess we can only try to imagine the impact that that meeting would have had for someone like your Aunt Jenny, and as you describe her at that age, someone who was much more interested in tinkering with engines and who had an uncle working at the local airstrip, and suddenly Amelia is in her little town. Yes, yes, exactly. And interestingly enough, it opens up that whole area of non-traditional roles for women. Ginny was an oddity to start with. Then when she declared she wanted to be a pilot like Amelia Earhart, she became more of an oddity. And although she certainly had her supporters within the family, Uncle Harry, her grandfather, who is Papa Ross in the story, and one or two of her friends, her early thinking about and talking about Amelia was very much considered more of Ginny's oddness. And in fact, in the first book, Ginny gets into fights <laughs> over her plans to be a pilot right. and her association with Amelia Earhart because she's considered stepping outside of her, her bounds. She's just getting a little bit too big for her boots. <laughs> Now, in book two, Under Amelia's Wing, you make a leap to a new location for Ginny and for Amelia. How do they both end up at Purdue University in Indiana? Well, again, I'm relying on Amelia's history. In 1935, she was hired by Purdue University as a part-time career counselor for women and aviation advisor. In that role, she wanted to get more women into early aviation. She actually wanted to encourage women to step outside of traditional roles. She wanted to push women into non-traditional areas. And it turned out the president of the university had that same goal. He wanted more women in higher education. Well, if Ginny wants to be a pilot, she has to get out of Harbor Grace, Newfoundland, because there are no possibilities. Although they have the airstrip, they certainly don't have any way for Ginny to be trained as a pilot. And so Ginny enrolls in mechanical engineering at Purdue, partly attracted by Amelia's encouragement. Now, this story isn't just about a celebrity and her young fan. There are lots of those stories. This book takes readers into a time when certain people felt justified in slamming the door shut on women who wanted to pursue non-traditional jobs, like becoming a pilot. Absolutely true. And in fact, that was the 
prevailing thinking at the time. If you accepted that women could move beyond the kitchen, you were an oddity yourself. If you happened to be one of the women who was involved in that kind of activity, you were even more odd. And one of the things that comes out in the second book, because I discovered it for myself through my research, was Amelia wasn't universally accepted. Quite a polarizing figure at Purdue. Yeah. You know, you see the newsreels of the ticker tape parades and the crowds and the cheering, but that really wasn't the predominant thinking. There were more people who, again, thought that she just did not know her place and um, sympathized with her husband because she wasn't a wife and a mother in the traditional sense. You also explore some emotional conflicts that arise when uh, Jenny's professor, who happens to be her best friend's beloved uncle, really tries to drive her out of university. Yes, yes. This was factual as well. It's interesting. Purdue, through the president, wanted more women in higher education. But let's say the ideal and the reality were really quite different. Not all professors at Purdue in 1936 were opposed to women, particularly in engineering. There were a number of them, and certainly society supported that view. So again, you get that um, disconnect between what the ideal might be and what the reality, so to speak, on the ground is. Right. And yes, that was his goal. He wanted her out of engineering. He saw no reason for women to be there. Plus, in one uh, dialogue between Ginny and Professor Jones, he says, there are men in this program who need to make money to raise a family, and you are taking up one of those spaces. And he made it his goal to get rid of her. So Jenny was certainly uh, feeling the brunt of those attitudes as the only young woman in the engineering class. But Amelia has an aphorism for her. Flying is easy. Changing the way people think is hard. Yes, yes. It, it wasn't just learning to fly a plane or learning to fix an engine. That was the big challenge in 1936. It was literally changing people's minds about what women could and should be able to do. That's almost the bigger picture, you know? I don't know if it's really uh, possible to have a spoiler alert in historical fiction, but in fact, we do know that Amelia Earhart disappeared while trying to fly across the Pacific. But back in your novel, what will this test in Ginny, who idolized her? Well, I think it forces Ginny to reassess everything she's been dreaming about and everything that she's been working towards for the simple reason, if Amelia Earhart can't do it, what am I doing trying to follow in her footsteps? I think it was a real test of her confidence. It was being attacked from a lot of different sides even before Amelia disappeared, by the prevailing attitude. I will say not just by males, but by females as well. If you remember, the faculty wives right. were very strongly behind their husbands in thinking that Amelia Earhart didn't belong at Purdue. I mean, what did she know about anything? So 
I think it's a real shaking of Ginny's confidence when Amelia disappears. She really has to decide if she can do this alone. It's a, it's a very difficult time for Ginny when Amelia disappears. And as well, she's dealing with being so far from home. I mean, she can't go back home to Harbor Grace, Newfoundland when she's out in Indiana in the 1930s. She has to stick around and find a summer job. That's right. And it wasn't just that she was going to be able to return in the summers, as you say. There was no money. Ginny was on a scholarship. That was the only way she could get to Purdue. Now, had she been able to return to Newfoundland at various points, I think that would have been helpful for her. She she simply was there for four years. Everybody knew it. She did get a job while she was there, and that certainly helped alleviate some of the family cost because there were no jobs in Newfoundland at the time. And... Um, had an interesting uh, mentor in Shannon Ryan, Professor Emeritus from Month in the History Department, born in Riverhead. And he helped me understand how the Depression affected Newfoundland and how badly it affected not just people in Harbor Grace, but particularly my family, who were store owners and extended credit, which then could never be repaid. So money is a huge issue in both books. You've had some experience uh, with the first book in the Ginny Ross series, discussing it with young people who've read the book. What are some of the, the more interesting discussions that came out of those interactions? Well, you know, I used to go into classrooms to talk about the book, and the one thing I found was the boys enjoyed the first book as much as the girls did because of the amount of aviation in it. They were intrigued by the early aviation. From a reading point of view, and I'm, my background is teaching, I found they were particularly interested in their own interpretation of the story. And by that I mean they would get into discussions about, could a girl really do this? Why were people trying to stop girls from doing this? Did Ginny really meet Amelia? Did Amelia really go to Harbor Grace? And they would get into very active discussions about the book itself. And they would say to me, tell us, who's right? <laughs> and my response was always, I write a book and you read the book. So it's almost like we're having a conversation. Whatever you decide is the truth in a book is in fact the truth because that's what you believe from what I've written. And I, I do explain the difference between fiction and, and simply historical fact and where I have to be absolutely accurate and that's with all the details about Amelia because she is a well-known historical figure and people are going to know if I'm not accurate in what I say about her. But where the lines can blur are in those areas where we don't know exactly what happened because nobody is alive who was there at the time. So when Ginny and Amelia were speaking, I can get a little bit creative. We know for a fact that they met in Harbor Grace 
1932 because Amelia came to Ginny's Aunt Rose's hotel and Aunt Rose had set it up that Ginny would be there because she knew how much Ginny loved Amelia Earhart. And Ginny made some soup for her. She did, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, so from a historical point of view, it's got to be dead right. From areas where there is no longer anyone left alive to tell us exactly what happened, then we can start blurring the lines in terms of being more creative from my perspective. Now, for example, if two students got in an argument about whether Ginny actually went to New York by train to find Amelia Earhart, I would ask them to explain to me why they thought Ginny did that and why they thought Ginny didn't do that. And I'll tell you, both of their arguments were absolutely acceptable. And my answer to them would be, the correct answer is whatever you think is correct. Because I have spoken to you, you have interpreted it, and so it is true to you. Well, I'm sure this uh, latest book and uh, anything that follows will continue to provoke those kind of conversations among your readers. Heather, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Well, thank you so much. I find it very exciting to talk about books, to talk about uh, kids reading, and uh, I appreciate this opportunity, Costa. Thank you. Heather Stemp is the author of Under Amelia's Wing. It's published by Nimbus. We have dozens of conversations for you with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, authors, illustrators, editors, and designers. They're all on bookmepodcast.ca. Pass the word to your fellow readers. If you'd like to comment on a podcast like today's with Heather Stemp, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. On Instagram, get an alert every time we post a new interview. Just follow at bookmepodcast. If you're in the Lunenburg County area in Nova Scotia, you can hear one of our podcasts every evening on the nonprofit radio station CHLU 93.7 FM, just before sign-off around 9 o'clock. Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. Our producer is Robin Grant, and our digital pilot is Laura Hines. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. Read.